Welcome to the In the Zone podcast with your host Deremy and Jose. I'm Deremy, and I'm joined by my tag team partner, Jose. How's it going? What's going on, Deremy? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm excited. Um, you know, it's good. I've enjoyed the you know the month of August. We really had a lot of great guests come on, and you know we're really appreciative, and they were awesome to do. But I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm really excited to kind of get back to you know me and you what the what the root of the show is you know yeah no i had a great time it was you know it was good to know some of those guys and and it was just something fun to do and we we talked about it before like it, it's just good to talk to guys who who love sports the way we do and you know most of the listeners if again you we we keep saying it but if you listen to a sports podcast then you're in that same on that same boat you know so but yeah i agree it, it's good to kind of just go back and forth and and like always, just kind of school you a little bit. Nah, in your dreams, man. In your <laughs> dreams, you know. I, I kind of that's what, what I was jonesing for. I'm like, I, I'm missing that. You know, Jose saying, "You're right, Jeremy. You're right, Jeremy." Wow. I should listen to you more, Jeremy. Like I was missing that, so I'm like, it's good to get it back. Good to get that back. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we are trying out a new kind of episode for you guys it won't be like a weekly thing we're gonna see how it goes but it could be like monthly but you know this topic jose and i were talking about with uh overachieve or underachieve and you look at a lot of team a lot of times we look back and say man this team should have won this or they should have won more than they did or or all these things or man this is the worst you know champion i've seen ever and jose and i are gonna look at these teams and be like well is that true you know, breaking it down for you. Yeah, and I'm excited for this new segment. And, you know, we've been talking a little while, like, you know, how to spice the show up a little bit. I, I love what we're doing. I'm sure the listeners love what we're doing. But, again, we want to just kind of try different things. And, and again, this is something we've been talking about. This has been in the works for a little while. Because um, there is a lot of teams who, you know, have tons of talent, you know, great coaching, but they just can never get over that hump. And there's other teams who don't, are not as talented, you know, but or maybe they don't have the best coach that year or a couple years in 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 the league, and you know, but they 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 always seem to just just always be there at the end, you know. And it, I'm going to have a lot of fun kind of breaking those teams down a little bit. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. And Jose, what have I told you? There's a team that has Hall of Fame GM. A Hall of Fame manager, Hall of Fame third baseman, and their top three pitchers in their rotation, all Hall of Famers. 14 straight division titles, one world championship. I, I would say this is a prime, prime, like, this is a, a, a perfect example of what we're trying to do with this new segment here. And it, and if they underachieved or overachieved. And I think this is when I think of a team that, that underachieved, this is the first team that comes to my mind, you know, and and the team that we're talking about is obviously, I think everybody knows by that introduction it is the 1990s, the nineties Braves, Atlanta Braves. Now I, I, are you sure that's the first team? Cause you know, you love those Buffalo bills in the nineties, you know, um, 
I know you're love that <laughs> Thurman Thomas. So that's it's not those Bills. That's not the first team that hits you. No, this this is the first team. That Bills okay. team is is like one A. Mm, mm, okay, okay, that's that Thurman bias. But let me ask you: you've been you more than me. And don't get me wrong, this is a great topic, but you were really hyped to do this. And I want to know why you were so excited to talk about the the, the 90s Braves. Because it is this team it has so many unanswered questions, I guess you can say. And and they just – I'm glad I didn't live in Atlanta at this time. This team would have, like, ripped my heart out of my body. And and, and they kind of did that a little bit as a Phillies fan, you know. But, um, again, we're talking about a team with – and you mentioned it with Hall of Famers spread all around the field, um, a Hall of Fame coach, uh, a great GM, you know, and we're going to get into a little more, but, you know, an amazing farm system. Like it, they just had it all, right? They they just had it all. And and they can never get over that hump. And, and not only did they only win one World Series, I mean, they got to five. So it's, it's not like, you know, you have some teams that just – and we mentioned this in previous episodes, like you'll, you'll have a team like the New York Knicks who run into the Bulls all the time, or, you know, like the Green Bay Packers of the nineties kept running into those Cowboys teams. Like, no, this wasn't the case with the Braves. It was just, they got to the world series. And a lot of times, man, like they just, they, they fell really short. Those great pitchers would have off series and is always in the world series. And, it, it was just so weird and so odd to to look at this team and again an amazing team and I, I'm not a I wasn't a Braves fan but I I really respected that organization like for for what they did from the beginning from '91 to I wouldn't say what 2005 you can say yeah. this this thing this thing went on for so yeah like this this team is so intriguing to me. Well, look, you know, I guess we'll take it from the top because. Now, I think a lot of people, the Braves are, you know, they had that history and people were talking about it. But going into the early 90s, the Braves were a laughing stock. Yep. And, Jose, it's funny. Now it's kind of changed. But I think a lot of people don't realize, younger people, that the Braves, in a way, were kind of America's team. Because for me, you know, we're, we're both in the Philly area. You got all the Phillies games and you would get all the Braves games because Ted Turner owned TBS and was playing them. So you kind of always – the Braves were always on. And for a lot of times into the 80s and going into, like, you know, the early 90s, the Braves were always on TV. Everyone could see them from the Superstation, but they were a bunch of losers. Yeah, I, I can remember that, man. Like watching – like having – just getting cable, you know what I mean, and, and having yeah, TBS. exactly. And, you know, I'm watching wrestling on TBS all the time. And, and I always wonder, like, why are these – Braves like Atlanta Braves games on here and I, I never obviously I, I was a lot younger but I didn't know the correlation with Ted Turner but yeah like I, I watched a lot of Atlanta Braves games and um yeah and, and it, it was just they were a really really bad team and I think especially that 91 team when that first to worst or the worst to first uh season like everybody in America loved the Braves they had a, it was a great story Everybody was doing the tomahawk chop. Like it was just, it was just fun to watch them play. You know, at that time. And but again, you're you're exactly right. Like they were bad for a long, long time. Yeah, and, and you're right. Ninety one is is when this just starts for this team, and and they they rally 
and they like Jose said went worst to first, and people have to remember now that the big three everyone knows is Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz. The first two years, it's just Smoltz and Glavin. Greg Maddox doesn't join till '93, so you see the Braves kind of going on this run. What I will, you know, I I have doing like a little bit of thinking about it. I'm a little torn, honestly, with this team overachieve, underachieve, because they beat, you know, to get there, especially 91, 92, to rally back and to beat some really good Pittsburgh Pirates teams. Yes. That a lot of people don't, you know, give a lot of credit to, but those Pirates teams are, you know, they can maybe in a future episode kind of be in this topic here because there is a lot of talent on those teams on the field and the pitching staff and the Braves. Both years, 91-92, had to come back and, you know, really show some moxie, you know, and, and win those series. You know, they were on this, you know, knocking on elimination and were able to come back and win them. So, like, I look at 91-92, I don't, I don't knock the Atlanta Braves at this point, Jose. I really don't. No, that team was a total, like, overachiever. Like, they did not have... They had some good players, and you mentioned Glavin and Smoltz. They had Steve Avery, who was another pretty good young pitcher. Um, he was with the Braves for most of the decade, at least to the mid nineties. Um, he's like he was all right. He was he was good. He was he good. Was he right. as a third starter, he was good. Um, I, I he's not a big three kind of guy, but he he, he he was serviceable. Again, as a third starter, I would take him. You know what I mean, like because and again, big three. No, like I wouldn't. I don't consider Steve Avery in the big three, but I, I didn't consider ninety one, ninety two them having a big three. I, I agree with that, but he was still a good pitcher as a number three starter. I, I I would take him. And um, but yeah, they didn't they didn't have they just had a bunch of really good role players. You know, you had guys like Otis Nixon, and I mean, even though Ron Gant had some pretty good years there, um, he was an all star, but a lot of people didn't really know about him and. You know, it, it, they they were just riddled with a lot of good role players, but they also had a couple of good young players. Yeah, Terry Pendleton on that team, like you know, a good solid role player, all star third baseman. So, I, I agree. Like those first early Atlanta years, they were definitely overachievers. Now, what do you think? We look at the '91 World Series. Really, an even I can't you know, an even match. Maybe one of the most – I don't think people talk about how great of a World Series that was. Yes. Just how down to the wire and, you know, went seven games, uh, three games went to extra innings. It it just was a lot going on in that one. But everyone looks at – and Lonnie Smith, a former Philly, but that base running gaff by Lonnie Smith. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that World Series was amazing, you know, and – because you had two hungry, like, fan bases. And I, I can remember watching those games and, and those stadiums. You know, the Metrodome was going nuts. And um, the Braves were playing, what, Fulton County Stadium. And that mm-hmm. they were going nuts there. That was a smaller park, man. And it was just it was just so much fun to watch that, that series, man. And then you had Kirby Puckett, you know, doing his thing for the Twins. And Jack Morris was definitely doing his thing for the Twins as well. He pitched a couple of amazing games in that series. Um, but yeah, I, I can that that series. You're right. It was it was so so much fun to watch. And you know, Lonnie Smith got duped by you know Chuck Knobloch and and all. And you could definitely knock him for that base running, and that should he have scored? Yeah, it would. When you have 
you know, a zero zero game. Morris and Smoltz are pitching just a, a duel that it's one of the best ever, really. A lot of people call it the best ever. Well, those two were just going at it. Uh two future Hall of Famers. But I still those twins and it was tough to win at the Metrodome. I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah. You know, the twins won in eighty seven and you know, this is their second title in, you know, five years. That was a tough place to play. And should Lonnie Smith have been duped? No. I agree with that. He should not have been duped by that. But there's a lot of blown opportunity for people just to look at that play and say, oh, the Braves are chokers. I mean, five one-run games out of seven, three extra inning you know, games, and four walk-off wins. That, that's a neck and that's as evenly tight as you can imagine in a fall classic, in my opinion. Dude, they they lost that last game. Jack Morris pitched a what was a ten inning shutout. Like it was, yeah. it was just man, like it was just amazing. But at that time, like you know, baseball fans, I know me as a baseball fan at that time, I was looking at this Braves team like, all right, like you know, you know they they gave it their all. Like you know what I mean? Like I I did not look at that team like man, like they should have won or you know, well, I mean, I did look at it like they could have won, but. You know what? I was like, man, like, you know, if I was a Braves fan, I'll be I'll be okay. Kind of okay, except that Lonnie Smith <laughs> situation. But, you know, like that team totally, totally like overachieved, man. And and to come from where they came from, they they say it like that 91 team, it's not even it, it's probably the Braves fans' most favorite team because they're that's the team that kind of started it all for them. Yeah, and they had gone through years and years of just it was it was awful. And, you know, you have even with Bobby Cox. Bobby Cox as the manager had been he got fired, got brought back in the eighties uh, as a GM, and then you know kind of messed that you know Ted yeah. Turner running this, and you know smartest thing Ted Turner did was definitely bringing back Bobby Cox, but you know also bringing in John Sherholz as a GM who winds up being a Hall of Famer, you know to kind of run this team, and he he did have a hell of a run here with fourteen consecutive division titles. Yeah, I think Sherholtz is is for me one of the least talked about people in regards to this to this run, let's just say. And I mean he's a Hall of Famer. He got his credit. Uh but man, like what he built in this organization with his Braves teams, it, it's to me it's it's amazing, you know, because it's really easy to be like a Yankees or you know, like today, like a Red Sox or Dodgers teams and, you know, and just get any free agent you really want. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's easy to do that, but to have a farm system and to build that farm system and then build your team based off of that, for the most part, based off of that farm system, man, that, that to me, man, like as a fan, and I've said it a few times on this show, I don't know what excites me more as a fan. Is it like a really good team that they're having this great one season and, you know, they're going all, whatever, they're going all the way, whatever, or having that real young team that, you know, has promise. And, you know, you're looking into the future, like, man, we're going to be really good for a while. They're like, for me as a fan, I don't know what it sucks me more, but I know for this Braves team, we're looking at 91. We're talking about 91. Now, you know, 92 season, you're starting to hear those rumblings of, of this Braves farm system. And these a couple of these players that are about to come up and, and you're thinking like, wow, like, you know, they got to the World Series 91, you know, 92, and now they got all these young kids about to come up. I know I'm jumping ahead, but 
Like no, no, that's exactly that, that for me. What I what I can remember hearing as a fan, like man, like this team is about to get a lot better. And and you're right, you know, and that's fine because ninety ninety two they lose to the Blue Jays, who eventually would be back to back champions. And that's not really the blemish I think for that early because he can break it up even the nineties, yeah. like ninety one to ninety five, and then you can see like ninety six to two thousand. What a lot of people look at is ninety three. Yep. And that's one I think that's when after that the rumbling started to to really come around for this team, and you know no thanks to also your Buffalo Bills <laughs> having their run, you know but that you started hearing the Atlanta Bills yeah. but I I you know the ninety three LCS you have the Phillies who they now they're kind of like different now but as far as what ninety one Braves did. As far as a worst to first, ninety three Phillies had that kind of year. Now that's probably the only similarities between those oh, two yeah. clubs. Other than that, it's very different. But I will say this: ninety three is interesting to me because brilliant move by Sherholz in trading for Fred McGriff to come, you know, to the uh, to the Braves during during yeah, the season. July or something like that. Yeah, in July. But you look at it. And that's the last year. Ninety three is the last year that we it's before you know the wild card yep. hits. The Braves had to win the hundred and four game, the last day of the year. The Giants had them throughout the entire you know season. Barry Bonds was telling all those Braves guys at the All Star games, You're "Not going to catch us." The Braves were playing playoff baseball pretty much throughout August and September. I mean, to have to win one hundred four to win the division, the Giants had one hundred three yes. wins. And missed the playoffs. Yeah, and and for those of you who don't remember, or if you're like in your freaking twenties, the Braves used to play in the NL West. Like it wasn't four different divisions, you know. And and I can remember that season, obviously, because like you said, the Phillies went to the World Series, but the Phillies could not beat the Giants that season. You know, they they just the Giants were whooping on the Phillies that year. Um, and I did not want to see the Giants in the playoffs. I, I didn't think the Phillies were going to be able to get past the. The, the Giants and when the Braves got in as talented as they were, I was like, man, like I think the Phillies have a shot here, you know, but even that Braves team was amazing. Cause you, you talked about Fred McGriff, but that off season, you know, they signed Greg Maddox um, as a free agent. And you talked about that three headed monster. Um, that's exactly what that was. Like you're looking at this Atlanta Braves team, like, wow. Like, you know, if we play these guys in this four game series, three game series, we're going to, possibly face Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. And it's just, that's, and again, this is a question I have later on, but what a pitching rotation that's, that is, man. Amazing. But now, I think because the Phillies haven't, they didn't do anything before, and this team didn't do anything after, so people are like, how can you lose to this team? The Phillies was an offensive monster, yeah. though. I mean, they, they, Led the National League in at-bats, runs scored, hits, doubles, walks, on-base percentage, total basis. I mean, Lenny Dykstra was second in the MVP voting behind Barry Bonds. You know, Dalton was an RBI machine. Eisenreich, high John Kruk is hitting three-something. Yeah. Kruk was yeah. a hit. Yeah. The Phillies had an offense, and then they, the pitching rotation for that year, yeah, Kurt Schilling is Kurt Schilling. He's a borderline Hall of Famer, big game guy. But for that year, Mulholland, Tommy Green, Danny Jackson, 
those guys pitched very well as a as a starting rotation. I I don't know if this is as bad of a loss as a lot of people kind of say, Jose. In my opinion, I mean, I I agree because uh, again, we we watched that Phillies team, so we we know exactly what that team was really about. And you're exactly right, offensively, that Phillies team was amazing. You know what I mean? Like, and they were. And you mentioned those stats, but they they were a very patient team. They they led the league in walks, I believe, that year. And from their from Dykstra to like maybe their six hitter, which was six hitter, um, which it was it was Incavilia or one of those guys, you know. And mm-hmm. all those guys took a lot of pitches, man. They made a lot of they made a lot of pitchers work and work hard. You know what I mean? And 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 they did that to this Braves rotation. And again. We talked about the greatness of some of these pitchers. Um, Maddox, as great as he was, postseason-wise, he wasn't as amazing. You know what I mean? He was still a really good pitcher, but, you know, the one that gets me, the big game pitcher out of all those three was 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 Smokes. But um, he's – I think he's the only big game pitcher. Yeah, he's the, the – he's one of the all-time best big game pitchers, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But that was the thing, and you said it. Like now you're starting to hear that those rumblings, like especially when they lost to the Phillies. Um, because if they get to the World Series, they again they have a shot. I mean, uh, we've talked about this off the air. Like that Blue Jays team was 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 really 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 good. Um, but yeah, no, I I agree. Again, '93. That's when you start hearing those rumblings. Like, you know, this is like they got to start winning this soon, very soon. Um, now I'll say this also. I don't think they take the 93 Blue Jays. I think the Phillies were a tougher matchup for the Blue Jays than the Braves would have been. And I say that because the Phillies had that all. And you see, the Phillies could score on them. I mean, that 15 to 14 game four in the 93 World Series, um, the Phillies could move. They, they, you know, the Phillies were smart with that great National League play of platooning guys. They really took the Blue Jays to some games there. I don't see the Braves' offense really making a threat to that Blue Jay pitching staff like the Phillies did. Um, and I think definitely Greg Maddox. You saw Maddox and Glavin were not big game pitchers. And that's because they you need those guys in the playoffs, in my opinion, like what Smoltz did is that sometimes when you're in September, late September and October, those power pitching, you, you're just going to throw your best stuff. Maddox and Glavin were control guys, and they they kind of needed some variables to go their way. That'll work in the in the week of, you know when you're playing you know the weaker National League teams. But when you get to the playoffs, it's a different story. And plus, pitching in October, it. it I mean, again, I'm not a baseball guru, but I, you know, this is a sport that I grew up on. I love baseball, and but pitching in the cold, man, it's hard to grab like grasp that ball and. A lot of pitchers talk about how how hard it is to pitch in in October, you know, first week of October, you know, and if you're playing in Toronto, New York, or well, Toronto, not really because they're a dome, they were a dome team. But if you're pitching in the East Coast, let's just say, like, you know, it, it's cold out there, you know, and and it's it's hard to get those pitches the way you really want them. And I agree. If you're again like a John, like a Smoltz, like you know, he's throwing 95 miles an hour, and at that time that was heat. You know, like it's not like it is today, but those guys, man, they were they were all about pinpoint control. And if they if they weren't hitting their spots, 
that stuff they were throwing up there was 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 hittable. No, and they're also they were they were guys who liked they needed contact yep. also with getting you know getting the ball hit to the infield yep. and all that and getting those like double plays and that's really dicey when you get to the playoffs and teams can hit usually mm-hmm. when you're in the postseason. So sometimes you need a guy you can't be banking on trying to get those double plays all the time. You need someone who you know what we're in a jam. We got two men on you know on 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 the corners. We got two outs. He, I, I can strike you out. John Smoltz was that guy. Maddox and Glavin weren't, and we start to kind of see that in '93. That's when the rumblings kind of start. Yeah, and then real quick, and, and we talked about this last week. I think me and you when we were on the phone. I, I just we talked about this '93 Blue Jays team, and it, and this lineup blows my mind. Like when I when every time I just look back at this lineup, it's it just. Just real quick, I know we're on the Braves and this is what the show is on, but yes, but yeah. I mean, if you look at this lineup, it, it, you lead off the Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson, your second, you know, the se- second hitter, uh, Hall of Famer, and Robbie Alomar was one of my favorite players of all time. Third, Paul Molitor, Hall of Famer. Fourth, Joe Carter. Fifth, John Olaru. It sixth, Devon White. It, it was just, it was just on and on and on and on, man, like that. That Blue Jays team was so good. Oh, that's why I, I don't, I don't hold that again. You know, they weren't winning the World Championship to me. Now the argument is would they have won the pennant? I do think it takes a lot. Yeah, the Phillies won ninety seven that year. The Braves won one hundred three. But like I said, had to go down to the last day of yeah. the year, and they were want they were doing that TV watching, and the Giants collapsed that last game and lost you know, 12 to one or something, but they run up having to do that. And I think to me, some people, you, there's two different verdicts when, when you're kind of playing uh playoff ball just to get in for a while in these sports, some people say it helps you because you're in that mindset. And then there's the other way where you're kind of, you're, you're running on fumes, you're burned out. And part of me wonders where they burned out going into this. And, and I can see both arguments. Cause I, I do agree with, you know, that first argument where it's like once you get in, like you, you've been playing in the playoffs, so now you're rolling, you know what I mean? And then if you're just barely getting in, that means you're probably playing a higher seed, you know what I mean? So what's going to happen is – but but again, I agree with that second argument. If you're playing against the higher seed or whatever and now you're going into like games – I mean not baseball, whatever, but games four, five, six, now I feel like that fatigue starts to play a factor. And now the, the more fresher team – is going to be able to take advantage, and I and I and you're right. I do see that it happens in all sports. You know, it happens in all sports, right. man. And it's like, and again, I never really thought about that. That's a really good point because, uh, you know, everybody always thinks about how good the Braves were that year. They just beat out the Giants, but no, you're exactly right. That mental fatigue is it's it's huge, especially in a sport like baseball where that's already in play. You know what I mean? Like that's if you're playing 162 games and now you're making the playoffs, like. I don't care what type of, what type of athlete you are. You're going to be mentally drained at this point. Now you just got through the summer, like those dog days of summer. That's that is exactly. a reason why they call that the dog days of summer. And I never really thought about it. That's a really good point. And and you have to look at it also like they had to really kind of play near perfect. I mean, near perfect baseball. They were behind they were behind 10 games on July 22nd. Yeah. That's a lot. 
That's a, you know what I mean? That's a lot. At that point in the season, you're kind of saying, usually when we see that, I mean, take out Corona this year, with it is a 60-game schedule. Usually, though, when a team is up by double digits after the All-Star break, you're kind of like, it's it's yours to lose at this point. You yeah. know what I mean? And and it's not like the Giants had this awful collapse and then they went 103 wins for the Giants that year. Yeah, and again, any other year, they're first place in their division. You know what I mean? And and, 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 yeah. and what's funny is the next year – no, I'm sorry, it was – Two years later, that I think they they changed the division. It was ninety five. They changed like the layout yeah. of the division. So, I guess the next year wouldn't have matter. But yeah, it, it's it's and, then, and again, that's when you started hearing. You know, baseball needs more teams in the playoffs. Like it's not fair. Like, team one hundred. I can remember hearing that all the time about the Giants. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you. You kind of say way per. I was going to ask because. We're both – we love the game. We both grew up on it, baseball, loving it. And a lot of people are kind of – it's been so long. This was – 93 was the last year. Do you do you kind of miss, in a way, the old way it was, like the two divisions and the winners of divisions go right to the LCS? Like, is there something you miss about it or not? No, not for me. No, I, I, I like the wild card because I just feel like it, it – it puts a lot of other, like, teams into play, you know, and, and – I, I like it. I, I really do enjoy it. Um, I mean, I the older way, you know, when you had to win the division, like I, I like that it, it makes the division, like you winning the division that important, right? Like, you know, people always say it, it starts mm-hmm. with like the division and then, you know, whatever the goals keep enhancing. But uh, I, I do like the wild card. I, again, because not only does it, like it keeps – other teams alive it keeps a lot of other fan bases alive and not only like the team that makes the wild card it's like the other teams battling for the wild card i just i, I think it's pretty cool then you got the one play-in game like i just I, I like that i i definitely think the wild card was probably the best thing in my opinion but yes Sula did as commissioner with the wild card so i definitely prefer it um i'm not a big fan of the one game play-in i'll be honest i don't like that as much uh i liked it kind of the way it was with just a wild card because you already were having the like you said fan bases were in it already hey we can get the wild card even if, and that added to it the one game playoff to me is kind of like weird i don't know i'm not a big fan of it but over you know we always have been historians of sports and and even i don't know i think over this pandemic watching a lot of you know those mlb greatest games and those you know, like looking at like the 78 Yankees and Red Sox and then having that one game tiebreaker playoff. Like it's it's kind of like, I don't know. I It's better. Don't get me wrong. I agree with everything you said. Like it's better that the wild card hit. I'm glad Bud Selig did it. But when I do watch these games and seeing it, like in those, those pennant races, like it kind of does, it brings a little nostalgia to me too. But I'm glad we progressed from it. But I do like, I kind of missed it because it was like boom, and then you're right in the LCS, and like you're right there fighting to go to the you know the World Series. Like boom, it's right there. I so part of me misses it a little bit, but the wild card is definitely better. Yeah, and I just feel like you know if you're one of those real good teams, and if you have one bad series, you're done. You know, I, I do like the divisional round, and I do like that you play another round as well. And it, if you're a good team, I think you have a better chance of getting to the World Series the way the format is today. You know, and Go ahead, go ahead. But I, I just thought, like, uh, 
it kind of reminded me of like the yeah the BCS in college football was like was, they they messed up a lot of stuff, but I did like it for a while where it was like every week those top yeah. teams it felt like it was a playoff game. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I think that's what I liked. Like the regular season was there was always pressure to me like that regular season, and I think that's what like baseball had for a while. Like now I feel like a normal 162, like April and May almost doesn't, I don't say it doesn't matter, but I feel like it doesn't matter. You yeah. know, it's like, eh, but like, but it's still great. Like I said, I agree, but there is like some nostalgia to it. Like I said, same with the BCS format, they would always vote in the wrong team. I never got that part, but I did like it. Like, man, like if, if number three loses to get upset, like, they're out, and like it's like you know everything goes crazy now. These computers are losing. That was kind of like fun. Like every you had to watch every Saturday, and I think like baseball kind of had that. Like like you said, every series mattered. Like it, like you know the Phillies were playing the Mets in May. That mattered. Where like there is a thing of now. I'm like, uh, you're playing the Mets in May, but you know that August yeah. series is really going to kick in. Like that's where I'm looking at. Like can they win them games? And it's like yeah. That takes a little bit away, but like you said, the fan base is being involved is awesome, and I think Buzz Selig has a really up and down legacy as a commissioner. I think that probably I feel like is universal. The best thing he did was bringing the wild card. Yeah, I, no, I I agree because he does have, you know, he does have an up and down career. But this is probably this and. And I'm trying to think. He was commissioner with interleague. So yeah, '97, right? He was a commissioner in '97. Yeah, he's commissioner for interleague. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, I think interleague as well. And again, I'm not trying to jump to '97, but I think this more than anything else. Like I, I like the interleague at first. I think now it's like it's it's played out. But it's a novelty now. Yeah, it's like whatever. It's like uh, you said. It's played. It's kind of like it was cool at first. Yeah. Like the Yankees are coming to. To play the Dodgers and stuff like, oh, okay, but it's like, yeah, I don't really need that. Like, I don't. Really yeah, care. I don't either. You know, it, it it lost its luster a little bit, but it's still, you know, ninety three was definitely. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, uh, I, I I agree. I, Not I, excuse, I didn't mean to jump in, but I, no, I just wanted ahead. to say, like, we talked about that ninety one, ninety two team, those two teams, excuse me, and. Now they they're not like America's underdogs, you know what I mean? Like now they're bringing in Maddox and trading for McGriff. Now, like, okay, now they're expected to win. To me, that's so much different pressure than you know, you know, coming up again worst to first, and then a '92 season. Now everybody knows you're pretty good. So what are you going to do '92? And then like, all right, they have a solid team, but now it's like you sign, start signing these guys, start making trades for these guys. Now it looks like to your fan base, all right, like they're in win now mode. That's where I think all this pressure started getting thrown on them. Exactly. And I think 93, I think a lot of them losing to the Phillies and also the reputation the Phillies had around, you know, in Philadelphia, they were beloved. <laughs> Everywhere else, they were like, how are you losing to these overweight, sloppy-looking, long-haired yeah. guys who were in last place the year before? And I think that really then you started hearing things like, you know, the Atlanta Bills and things like that. Those those things really came in after 93. Yep, I agree. And it's interesting that 94, they were playing well 94, but we have the strike 
and we get to 95. I, and I don't, and I don't and think 94 mattered because I think the Expos were were on the mission that year anyway. You think they would have? I think so. It would have beat the Braves yes. head-to-head? That Expos team was the good. Expo, they, it's a very good team. It's a very good team. I do wonder – I do wonder about like there's certain because '94 is interesting also in the way of the Yankees had the best record. Yep. And then '95, the Yankees get in with the wild card, and they lose to the Mariners in that five game series, and then a lot of things kind of changed. You know, Buck Showalter gets bumped out, Joe Torre, and uh, you know they bunt, bring it Jeter and the, the yeah. big four kind of get brought up. But I wonder if the season plays out, the Yankees. If they get to the LCS or like to the World Series, and who knows if that, you know, which we'll be talking about a lot this episode, that that Yankee dynasty of the '90s, if that kind of change, if that trajectory changes for them too, yeah, maybe. I mean, because again, I don't know. I, I that Expos teams was so good, you know, they 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 were really really good, and I just they were good young like. And I can see some of that experience that the Yankees maybe would have would have brought. Because even the Braves, they were really good. But Chipper Jones was supposed to play this year. He gets hurt the beginning of the year. He's out for the season. He hurt his knee. So, like, they were already kind of like, you know, like that season already kind of started on a downward trajectory. But, I mean, they finished second to the Expos. Um, so they still had a good team. And they had that pitching. So with that pitching, you're always going to be in it. Yeah. What do, you, what do you, let me ask you? What do you think about about good old Larry Chipper Jones? Hmm. I think he's a great player. Obviously, um, he's he's one of the best switch switch hitting hitters I've ever seen. Like, well, yeah, in my lifetime, I'll say that. And I mean, he 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 was a good player. Like, he got a bad rap, and 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 I know here in Philly, and especially in New York, like you know, a lot of fans hated him, but. I love some Larry yeah. chance, man. I, I can't lie. Yeah. I did love some Larry Yeah, chance. But he, he was a really, really, really good player, I think. He was. He's a Hall of Famer, and, and don't get me wrong. It's just uh, – was he that – because I look at – to me, I, I there's, there's a couple of flaws here. He definitely had flaws you in know. his game, for sure. And he wasn't that guy who could really carry it. Because to me, I look at, I look at just pitching. I mean, it depends. Like early, like I think of the woes of the Braves of the '90s. Starting pitching, the bullpen has some struggles mm-hmm. too. Minus like John Rocker, like that one year, you know. And I think Reardon was okay the one year, but I, the hitting was just not. And, I, and the thing is, you go, it's not really a star-studded lineup. The Braves lineup, like, no. It, that, that, yeah. Well, it, it got pretty good. It got good. That's a, I look at other great teams of the decade, like you just named the '93 Blue Jays. That and, and you know that back-to-back Blue Jays lineup compared to the Braves lineup, oh, nothing. Yeah. I look at the Yankees. That four out of five lineup compare, and even their the bench of the Yankees. You know they had Tim Raines and Strawberry and and all these guys coming off the bench. And I compare it to the Braves. I'm like, yeah, you know, Javi Lopez, like he's good, good catcher, but not a guy. I'm like, I'm banking on Javi. Justice was all right. McGriff was all right. They had good, you know, Chipper Hall of Famer, but it, it wasn't a stacked one through, you know, nine to me. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. They had some good hitters, but they weren't collectively like compared to those other teams. Nah, I wouldn't put their offense com- like anywhere near those other teams. But they they did have some good players. Like you know what I mean. Like I I think Chipper Jones was a good hitter. I think Javi Lopez he hit three hundred. Like he was a he wasn't just a bum. Like you know what I mean. Like I'm not saying you called him a bum, but it, he was a good hitter. I think. Now was he great? No, but he was a good hitter and. Fred McGriff, Hall of Famer, or should be a Hall of Famer. Um, He's borderline. He's a borderline guy. He was a good hitter. Um, You know, later on, they, you know, Ryan Klesko, good power hitter. He wasn't, you know, anything for average. But, you know, later on, talk about guys like Andrew Jones, who I want to talk about later on. You know, they bring in Galarraga later on, Sheffield later on. Like, the lineup for me gets better towards the end of the decade. And I think it then it flips and yep, the pitching exactly. gets worse. Yep. I think it got better. I think in their peak years of winning, those years to me when you have Galarraga, you know, who had that, you had know, a, great comeback. Had a great season, yeah, for them. Yeah. Um, Andrew Jones to me shines in the later part of the decade. He's like mid like that part. Yep. Um the pitching is going south yeah. to me. And the bullpen always was south, in my opinion. Um that that that's definitely a woe of the Braves, but it's just interesting to me because Chipper, I, I, and I'm not saying it's a one man, but like if he's the guy, he he wasn't going to lead this. He didn't lead this squad to more than about, and that's kind of where I always got with Chipper Jones. It, it was like I kind of knew he's going to go right along with the pack of, of not getting it done. So, do you think that was because like the hype that he came into the league with? Because he was one of those like can't miss prospects mm-hmm. and wait till this guy comes up. And that's why 94 was like such a big deal. Cause when he, he, that was going to be his first season. And again, he got hurt, was out for the year. Um, do you think it was more because of the hype or because again, you know, it's a perennial all-star at third base, you know, like, I don't know. I, well, I think what was more of the hype? Like, well, what I'm saying, the attention yeah, he got. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, like I said, the 90s still throughout this decade, the Braves were on every week. And, you know, like every Sunday, like nationally, at the weekends, you're getting, even throughout the week, I think for most teams, most cities, you're getting your home, like, game, and you're probably getting the Braves. Oh, yeah. Like, everyone's watching the, like, I, in the 90s, I got to know this team well. A, coming from all my family on both sides, they're all from South Carolina, so this really is their team. Like the Braves are everyone in my family on both sides love the Braves because that's what they had as a, that's the closest thing for a long time they had for a pro team, you know, until the Carolina Panthers came in. Um, so watching this team a lot. Yeah. Chipper was talked about and I thought he was yeah an all-star level player. I get it with the, and sometimes I, I look at baseball as weird. Like, I don't know. I think we, we compare it like we stick to the like the position too much, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Where a lot of times I want to judge a player as a player. And when I'm critiquing a guy, I'm critiquing him. But then they're, we're like, look at these other short. I'm like, I'm not looking at others. I don't think I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at this guy. Was he a great player or not? I'm not trying to compare him to other of that position because I'm not saying where does he rank as far as the position. I'm saying, is he a great player or not? And I'm like, now I can go back, look at other people in that position and a different argument and 
maybe knock them too, probably will. But I think he, you know, was the perennial all-star at third base for, you know, the National League, and that helped him. And the Braves were a team they were in the spotlight a lot in the 90s. And, you know, for this run, they were talked about a lot. So I think that did do it. And and he was, he kind of, I don't know, he was very hated. Like, when he was on the road, that got a lot of attention. And his comments about the Mets fans, that got yeah. a lot of attention, too, and the Larry chance. But I'm not saying he, he's not a, a Hall of Famer per se, but I'm saying if he's that guy, if he's the anchor, I think he let the team down. Um. I don't know if I can agree a hundred percent as a, as the go-to guy, I, I would say he fell short. I'll say that I can agree to that. Um, but I, I mean, is there any other better third baseman? I know you, I know you just talk about not comparing them to other third basemen, but when it comes to baseball, like you said, like that's kind of the thing to do. I mean, he's a lifetime 300 hitter, close to 500 home runs. Like again, hall of famer. Like I, I the numbers obviously speak for themselves. Um, you know, one World Series, one MVP, or did he? Get, yeah, he won. I think he won one MVP. And I don't know. I, at that time, in that era, I don't know if another if I'm taking another third baseman. I'm, I, I got to really think about that um, before I say that. I should have talked about it before I say. I that. say, I I just say this. I think there's something to say when a guy is good for a while and, and compiles stats as well. And I just think that showed. And, and I think it's not a surprise that if Chipper Jones is your best bat, that you're not getting over the hump. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying this. And I, I, I actually, as someone who doesn't as a guy dislike Chipper Jones, but I think when we, I look back when we all came in retrospect, if you're saying Chipper is your best bat, I'm not surprised then that you're not like a, a quote unquote dynasty winning more championships. Well, he, he was definitely the best third baseman in the nineties, I think. Um, so let's, you know, now I'm just super curious. Um, so let's see here. So let's look, I mean, looking at third baseman, you had uh, Edgar Martinez, who later on he was became a DH, but he was, Primarily at their baseman. You have Vladimir Ventura, Matt Williams, Ken Caminetti. Uh, I like Ken Caminetti, but whatever. Yeah, I think that's also, you kind of see it. Like Ventura, you know, it, it's not, you know, Scott Rowland came at the mm-hmm. end of the decade. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, like a Wade Boggs. Um, and not a lot of third yeah. baseman. And this kind of goes... This will go to my point about the team also that I think will kind of help that argument is to me, I feel like the early part of the decade, you're being challenged by like the pirates. All right. Like the, the giants uh, on, on, in, in your division were, were a good team One one Oh three, the Phillies had that year. And then once, once you kind of realign, you look throughout that rest of it, the Marlins had 97 and, and 03, but other than that, were god-awful. Yeah. The Phillies are god-awful. The Mets had a little bit of a run in the late 90s, but a lot of that, they were, you know, especially starting the mid-90s, were yeah. awful. Yeah. I, I feel like that also kind of, it, it helped them get there. Like, 
they they never really were challenged too often in the division either. You oh, I without mean? a doubt. Yeah, that was uh, – I can remember obviously watching baseball throughout that, and that's all I can remember thinking about. Like, man, like, you know, like this team in the division, like every year you knew they were going to – and they did it. Like they won 14 in a row, but I, I agree. Like, you know, that one year, 94, where they had a really good team there too, you know, the other team wins out. And, you know, it was a strike-shortened sh- season, but – Still, like, you know, they, that was the first, like, real good team in that division. The Phillies were – when the Phillies were good, again, the Braves weren't in the division. And, you know, it, and that makes a lot of sense because it's like every year they're they're the only team that's, like, consistent. Like, it, you had a couple of good Mets years. Uh, again, the Marlins, the Phillies. Phillies were terrible for a long time in the 90s. And um, so they didn't have no competition. And when you get in those playoff series – that's when that competition came on and, and they fell short a lot of years. Hey, absolutely. And I think that's just kind of, I kind of wonder if they, if that would have helped all of them from Sherholz to Bobby Cox to the players. If you have that competition, you know yeah. what I mean? If you have that, that threat. Like throughout the year. Think, yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Like you have like, okay, you have to play. Because then part of me feels like they, you kind of were in sleep mode. But I feel like the early part of the decade, they did have that. And even in that, you know, the, the, we talk about the uh, the realignment after 94, you know, with the wild card. You get into the LCS and you have the Pirates. And that team's loaded. And you have to, you have to play up to go against that team. And, like, I feel like they, it kind of went down. And, you know, that, that hurt them. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, if it's coming easy, like, it's hard to turn that switch back on, you know, at the end of the year or in the playoffs. I, I can just imagine, like, this Braves team with that pitching, if they, you know, I, I was reading an article how the Braves almost came close to getting Barry Bonds that 92 season. And, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's funny that you're saying that, like, you know, having a guy like that in that lineup – with now you can have the chipper as like your second guy and then all these other guys can kind of trickle down after that. But when I, I, I read that article, I, I at the time I had no I, I I didn't hear that at the time. And I was a big, big Bonds fan at that time, definitely. And like I was kind of surprised by that that Pittsburgh would even trade him to Atlanta. But it was pretty much done deal, you know, and and again I was like shocked. I, again, I didn't hear that. I don't know if you knew about that before, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard. I heard, yeah, there was. I had heard about, yeah, Bonds, um, looking like that. That was a close thing, yeah. So absolutely, it was. Uh, it, it was. It was very interesting. That I think, yeah, they they needed that that yeah. guy, that guy to be the leader and to take the pressure off. Um, I think it pretty much was too much on. We have these three guys. That's good enough, and I don't think what happened is we love the wild card and that was great for baseball and I love it. And I love the, the lead divisional series. I think that's great for baseball, but it's totally different. And you look at it, even in like the NBA when, you know, back in that time, the nineties, that first round series was a best of yeah. five. And if that top seeded team loses one of those games, it's it's up for grabs at that yep. point. And we have to throw that in there too, that from ninety five on, the LDS coming into play 
really turn things for these Braves teams where if uh, Glavin or Maddox has a bad game, that best of five series is, is up for grabs now. Yeah, I mean, and then you can even look at it from the other side of the coin, and it's like, you know, you're playing the best of five, and you have to face these pitchers one, two, three. Like that's 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 tough, man. You know what I mean? But no, sure. I, I agree though. You you that that first loss, all the pressure goes on the you know the team that was favorite, all that, and that's a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? Like if you're a higher seeded team and about to lose maybe to a lower seeded team or the lowest seeded team, it's it's. That tons, that's tons of pressure, man. And this this Braves team showed throughout the decade, which is crazy. Like it, it's literally throughout the decade that they they could not handle that. And I think it it, it kind of showed. And I think that as great as John Sherholtz, and don't get me wrong, I agree. Like with everything you said, a name who doesn't get talked about enough. I I kind of wonder what was going on with some of these holes that. I felt like he, he didn't do enough sometimes to really fix them and maybe put too much on the, the quote unquote big three. Yeah. Like he, he and, and I agree. Like, and, and I never really thought about it looking back. Like their bullpen wasn't as strong as it should have been. Like they, they really leaned on those starting pitches to get through the like six, seven innings. You know what I mean? And, and then get to the end of that bullpen. But I, I can remember you get those starters out. And you were going to have some success, you know what I mean. And but the problem was getting them out, getting them out of the game. And and you talked about the '93 Phillies. That's something they did. They got to these starters early. Now you had to go through that bullpen out there, and the bullpen wasn't as strong. Um, so yeah, no, I, I agree. Sherholds could have done a little better with that. Again, you talked about John Rocker, and you saw the success they had once they had a. I mean, they had Mark Woolers like throughout the '90s. He was a decent closer. Um. But yeah, if they would have had like a like a lock, like the game is over, like type of closer, I can't imagine how many more games this team would have won. Yeah, I think that and that that's right up there with the hitting, yep. as much as like disappointing. Now they get their one title though in '95. They do so like they're not they're not Jose's Bills. <laughs> they do win a championship. They do have a ring. Um. And in that shortened season, they they you gotta give them credit in this. They went up against a powerful lineup here with that Cleveland Indians oh, yeah. team, and and took it to them. They really did. Like so, we we have to give them credit in that win. Yeah, and this might have been. I'm trying to think. This is probably the worst team they played in the World Series. That lineup was great. I, I would say that they had a lot of great players. Kenny Lofton. Alomar, um, Albert Bell, you know, Eddie Murray, yeah, Tommy. Tommy. They had a great lineup. Um, but this that pitching staff was was not as good. That Cleveland staff was not that good. And you no. know, yeah, Dennis Martinez is your ace, I believe, and it's that's not gonna that's not gonna do it. Um Yeah, I that's a good point. I'm wondering I think the only one that you can really compare, I guess the ninety one twins, if you yeah. wanna say is the only one that can maybe give a run for the worst of their World Series opponents. But, yeah, that's a good point. It's, that 95 might be the worst of their opponents, too. And and when, and it's, and it's, this 95 season, this is where I was like, holy shit, like they're, 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 they're going to go on a run. 
You know what I mean? Like, and because now you have these young guys that we were talking about earlier, plus this pitching staff. Now you have, you know, the Javi Lopez's of the world. Now he's playing every day. You know what I mean? Chipper Jones again is playing every day. Uh, you got Ryan Klesko at this time up with the with the Braves. So now all the young guys with a Fred McGriff and some still with those veterans. And again, I'm gonna always go back to that starting pitching. Like this Braves team was was. You can see that they were primed for a nice long run, man. And and again, I, as a fan, that had to be so exciting. Like, and, and to me, that this is not even their best team, you know. But it's not. Know, but and again, well, I, I want to get into that, you know, when when we wrap up, you know, you know, going into this Braves team. But like, this is a team again that won the World Series. But uh, and this is the one that Atlanta, like, excuse me, Atlanta Braves fans always go to the '95 team, but. You know, again, I think the team they beat in the World Series was not as good as a lot of people think. No, no. And I, it's interesting because, you know, even in that series, the talks kind of happening. You know, the Braves are up 2 0. And then, you know, they go back to Cleveland. The Indians fans have that energy. Like, you know, the Braves fans had in 91. Yeah. And at this point, by this, you know, time, it's really a knock, and I'm going to say it here. I might be isolating people. Atlanta, when it comes to pro sports, they're fans. They're terrible. They're yeah. Terrible. They're yeah. awful. I don't know if it's because they got the world's biggest cocktail party in <laughs> uh, Georgia and Florida, and they, they watch that, but they're terrible. The fact that 91, when the team, you know, rising up, they're filling it out. But after that, it kind of – there's playoff games that aren't sold out, which, you know, in a lot of places would never happen. Um David Justice makes that comment, you know, feeding off of what Oral Hershiser he said that, hey, the pressure's on them because that the talks were really building up. Are these teams, is it a bunch of chokers? You know, a lot of the Braves players were saying that they heard the comparison to the Buffalo Bills a lot. So Justice talks about the fans needing to get more involved and in, in talk more. And when they come back for game six, he gets yeah. booed. You know, he, he, he gets booed by the home crowd, but he is the guy who comes up with the run and that one nothing win to kind of clinch it. Yeah, and he and he was, you know, David Justice, I mean, he was a guy that, like, he spoke his mind. You know what I mean? And I, I could respect that in the player. and But I, I agree. Now, a lot of people can sit there and go, well, they had a lot of success, so I guess. No, like, no. Like, there's a lot of fan bases where teams have a lot of success. You look at – you know, in a different sport like New England, they they've been, you know, they've had a lot of success over the years, and that place is always rocking. You know, and so I I I don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? But yeah, if you can't sell out a playoff game, like I I feel like you don't even deserve that team. You know, and I and yeah. I used to look at that like man, like if that team was like here or anywhere else, man, like whew, that 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 would have been like a fun atmosphere to be at. You know what I mean? Especially if it was like here in Philly or something, I would have, I would die for a team like that, man. Well, especially at that time when you look, like you said, you know, we're in Philly and you know we have Veteran Stadium, and I went to a lot of those games, yeah. man, where it's the dead heat of summer. Philly's already out of it. You know, the heat's just bouncing off the actual turf. I see a bunch of old middle-aged guys sitting in in the stands with their shirts yeah. off and. You know, the Phillies are losing again, and, you know, let's see what Mickey Morandini can do or, you know, Mike Lieberthal. So, like, you're right. I would see Turner Field 
you know, the Braves eventually move out of Fulton and get turned. And then, like, it's a new stadium. They're on all the time. They have this reputation, the Braves, and they're not filling out. And it was bizarre. I, I don't blame, I you know, sometimes I get it, you know, fans, we, you know, we react. But if I'm in Atlanta, you have to knock that. Oh, yeah. If you're a fan and be like, shame on us. Like, we're not loud. We're in the World Series. We're up and, and we're not challenging we're not shown we're kind of like here it goes again when you've gone through years of bad baseball now you're on this great run and you're not showing up for your team david justice was absolutely oh, he right. was definitely right and and it's not even just with the braves like you just look at you know atlanta falcons and you, like it's all throughout the atlanta, atlanta sports like scene and it's yeah they're notorious for being terrible fans yeah and, and, and you said like the falcons never have it like it's 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 rough. It's it's bad, and and I think it was a shame for this great run that it kind of gets, you know, their America's team except in their own yeah. city, kind of like it's 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 really messed up. But you know, we talked about Glavin and Maddox, but you got to give Tom Glavin credit here to get that that one nothing shutout to ice the game and to be World Series MVP. He, he got the job done for him. Yeah, he did. This was the one year that he, he really stepped up. Um, and, and not to say he did in the other years, but again, we talked about at the beginning of the show, like out of the three-headed monster, which one was more uh, – I hate to use the word clutch, but, you know, for lack of a better term. And But this – yeah, this series, he he had a great series. And um, to pitch – and we talked about it in that 91 series. To pitch a one nothing shutout in the World Series, man, like that's – that's a great performance. I, I don't care who, and, and especially a, against that lineup like that, that was an amazing performance. Absolutely. And do you get the, the world title? Really the only major world championship that the city has had, you know, since, since yeah. ever before or after with 95. I mean, we're not going year yeah. by year, but there is one. I got to look at 96. That's, that's, if there's a blimp, it's that one for yep. me, man. 96 is the one that I look at because, man, I remember those first two games, they're playing the Yankees, and that 96 team was on a yeah. run. That, that was a dominant run that they had and how much they were just blowing teams out. And to get in there, you know, they, they, go, they, they win games one and two, 16 to 1 at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. It looked like it was over. I thought it was. Andrew Jones looked like the next Ken Griffey Jr. Like I I thought like this was just the Braves are back to back and they're making a lock and they're making that case for a team of the 90s. It's happening here. And then they get back to Atlanta and man, the wheels just fall off. Yeah, and they almost lost it. I remember they almost lost to the Cardinals in the NLCS. Like they, they were down three one, and then they just annihilated the Cardinals after that. Um, but yeah, they they were close, not even making the playoff. I mean, the World Series. And yeah, I, I can remember watching that World Series, and I, a- Andrew Jones became my favorite player. Like that was my guy. I got to tell you my Andrew Jones story in a little bit, but um, I probably already told you this, but. You told me, but you yeah. Tell the so yeah. I, I could just remember watching this series, and I was like, and you were right. Like I was like, holy shit! Like who's this kid? Like, well, at the time I didn't call him a kid, but I was like, who's this guy? Like, where the hell did he come from? And yeah, he looked like the next up and coming. You know what I mean? And but they should have won that series. 
Like that that's that's the one for Braves fans that like that's the one that stings. You know what I mean? Because they they had that series. And you gotta look at game four. You're up six nothing in game four. You know, and 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 to to just let it fall off there. You know, you're twelve and you get you take that into the sixth inning. You know, Th- that should yeah. be over. That game should be over. Yeah, because then you look at it at that point. John Smoltz is pitching game five. Yep. And so if you ride that momentum, you know, totally different. But to just really, you know, fall off and Jim Lairitz with that home run and tied the game up, it, it, it just really took the wind out of them. And really the wheels just fell off for them. And they wound up losing game five and then, going back up to Yankee Stadium and losing game six. And that's when, to me, I get the, the, the talks of choke jobs. And even though they had won, that's what I look at and go, all right, I get it with this team, chokers. Because that – and I don't like using the term choke I, when it comes to a lot of, you know, athletes and everything. But I don't know how else to put what happened in 96 – in the World Series with the Braves, and they choked. Yeah, they deserve that label at the, at that point in time. Because um, again, you you don't lose the way it was set up for them. After that, they were up to nothing in the series. It, it was just set up perfectly, like you mentioned. And you just you can't lose that series. You know what I mean? I don't care how great this Yankees team was and what they became, um, but you you just there's no way you can lose that series. No, because, I mean, you hear it in sports and all of them. When you're on the road for those first two games, hey, let's get yep. a split. And we're happy with a split. You go beyond that. You win both games. And only that, you dominate. I mean, it, it's an annihilation in those two games. You could not want any more. And that Yankee team, we didn't see it. Yeah, yet, though. Let's yeah be that, that wasn't their best you know? team out of this yeah. run. Definitely not. So if there's a team that should have been beatable, it's the 96 squad. We weren't, you know, first-year skipper with Torrey. Jeter was just coming up. You know, Rivera was starting to be the guy and rising. He wasn't like the Rivera. He wasn't even the closer. See it. No, he wasn't the closer in 96. And he was getting that yeah, pub, yeah. like, but he wasn't like, it's Mariano Rivera. It was just like, it's this young kid with some mm-hmm. promise. Um, And it just really is just – yeah, I have to agree with you. If the Braves have to look at one squad, because you know, you, you know, you bring in an Andrew Jones. Yeah, you have Chipper there. Andrew Jones is nineteen yeah. at the time, looked like a phenom. You know, it, it's it's looking like this is a team that's going to be here for the long haul, and they were in it for the long haul. But it was looking like this is a team that what the Yankees did. You kind of were looking at the Braves are going to do that, and this to me kind of signaled. I wasn't. I'll say this: after '96, I was not surprised by what happened '97 through. No, I wasn't either, because um, I felt like this series pretty much derailed their their dynasty. Let's just say, like, because if they win this one, now you're back to back champs, and that's a big deal. You know what I mean? Like in any sport, but, but you know that's that's a big deal. And now you know '97. You know, now you got you got definitely got another shot, and then you know the Florida Marlins just was the first real <laughs> baseball super team I can remember. You know, and and yeah. they just loaded up, and they were 
you know, they were great for that one season. But, you know, this a lot of a lot of like Braves fans call this 96 team. And again, I want to get into this later, but they're their best team, you know, and and I again, I want to say it. I, I agree with them. I think this was their best team out of this whole run, you know, and but. Again, they were up to nothing, and not only they were up to nothing, now they're coming home, and that weakens the Yankees because there's no DH. Like, it, it was just perfectly set up. I'm going to keep saying it, and you were right. This is and, – and and calling people choke choke artists and all that, like, I, I hate that too. You know what I mean? Like, it's just – I think that's a cop-out of, like, just an easy way to just kind of come, come at somebody uh, if they lose a game or a series or whatever. Like, people, you know, were watching – I was watching Game 7 – last night of Denver Clippers and, you know, now Kawhi, you know, it's this morning I'm listening and like, he's a choke artist. He choked. And I'm like, where was this Kawhi last year? But anyway, um, no, I, I agree. And I, I say that because I think we undermine how hard it is to get, how hard it is yeah, to win every yeah. day in these sports and baseball, especially, you know, um, basketball and hockey, you know, 82 games, but you know, football's that you know once a week. But I, I remember it, it, I growing up, I used to be like that. Yeah, quick to say choke until I heard John Madden talk about his '70s Raiders, and you know, before they finally won their Super Bowl, and he was like, "Oh, you can't win the big one." And he said, "Show me which one of these is little." Yeah. You know, and and that's the truth. Like, which one of these are are little? Like when you're 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 playing in the dog days of summer, you're getting all the way through August, September. And then, you know, post-95, you have an LDS, an LCS. Or they're, 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 none of them are little games. Um, so that's why I don't like that term. But 96, to me, is, out of all these, is the biggest question mark of, like, you got to explain this to me. Like, what happened, guys? Like, you know, because you said 97, the Marlins are like, yeah, that was a super team. It was like they, they said, we're going to do this for this one year. Yeah. We're going to just – do everything and, and we're going to make South Florida a winner and they wound up doing it. But 96 is the big blemish to me. And that's, that's the one that if you want to say, you know, the show's overachiever, underachiever, that's the one I would jump out. If you're going to say underachiever, I'm going to look at that series. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree hundred percent. Um, They, they should have won that series. And I just feel like if they win that series again, like you just mentioned, um, that '97 season, I think it was just a wash <laughs> for a lot of teams. And but you know that '98, '99 season. Now I feel like you know coming off of back-to-back titles, you know getting close to '97. Now '98, you know you're back, and '99 is another really good team. You know I, I just feel like it would have just propelled them after that '96 season to get, even if they, even if like this run just ends in a back-to-back title. I just think we're we're talking about this Braves team a lot differently than than what we're doing here today. Now, you look at it, let me ask you this. Do you knock them after 96? Let's go 97 through like 2000, 2000, 97 through 2001. Okay. I just look at it as can you want if you want to individualize and pinpoint certain losses fine they're not beating the yankees 
and they lost to that Diamondbacks team with Rand- in 01 yeah. with Randy Johnson and Schilling. They're not beating no. them. Like, they're just not. Like, they're not winning. They're not world champions. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they're not going to win it. Like, like they just aren't. And, and now if you want to say they could have had some, you know, gotten another power pitcher or made the bullpen better, fine. But they weren't – at that point, I think, in my opinion, you knew that they weren't the best team in baseball. Yeah, their their run is not over, obviously, you know. But I mean, because again, they went back in '99. But you're talking about the Yankees team, which probably might be considered top five team of all time. You know what I mean? Like it's it's. Well, many call the '98 Yankees like that uh, for a season. Like the I'm best sorry, team that ever. was '98. Sorry, but not not '99's right up there. I mean, that's the same yeah. squad. I mean, you know, pretty much. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's. I, you know, I just think after that 96 season, and then a lot of this talent doesn't pay off, right? Like it's, it's, we talked about Andrew Jones again. That was, you know, now we're talking about late nineties, early two thousands. That was my favorite player, man. Like that was, I wore the same number. My son's name is Andrew. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just, that's my guy, but defensively hall of famer. You know what I mean? Like it, I, I don't know. I don't know if there was anyone better than Andrew Jones in center field defensively, you know. He's, yeah, well, Griffey was pretty great. Jim Edmonds was pretty. You know, you got Willie Mays, guys like that. Like, but, <laughs> you know, you talk about, I don't know, man. I, to me. He's he, up there. He's up there. And it was effortless. Like, it, 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 I don't know. I, I, I'll argue with anybody over that. Like, Griffey, I'll, I'll put Griffey there, too. Jim Edmonds was good. I don't think he was better than Andrew Jones. Jim Edmonds had those highlight, more highlight plays. Andrew Jones just made it look easy. Um, but again, offensively, you know, everybody saw those two home runs in the in, in that World Series against the Yankees in '96 and thought, man, this guy's going to come up, you know, and, and just light the world on fire. And um, he was an All Star, but he never, he really didn't live up to what everybody thought he was going to be. You also had like people like pitchers like Kevin Millwood. They thought he was going to be the next one. They thought he was going to take this, you know, Cy Young run that these other three had and just keep going with that. He didn't really pan out, you know, like it was just a lot of young guys that didn't really pan out like these other young guys did in the early 90s. And, um, but yeah, I agree that 99 year, they're not winning that 01. They're definitely not winning that. No, and he's yeah, he he might be he's up there. I I do I don't think Jim Edmonds is better than him as a defender either. He's just someone who's he's in that conversation a lot of times of of that yeah. era of best defensive center fielders. Um, but I think it's a race between him and Griffey. If I look at you know that that nine yeah for sure who's the best defensive it's him and Griffey Junior. But he he was getting. I mean, you made a joke with Willie Mays, but. He was getting Willie Mays comparisons like around 99, 2000. That's what they were kind of saying. He's that kind of guy because he's 19 and 96. And so at that point, he's 22, 23, you know, an all-star. He had hit 300, you know. He was improving as an offensive player. We knew the defense was there. You see that offense going, and he was getting that Mays comparison, and then it just – 
by the time you get to like oh two, it's like what happened? To yeah, and, and and it's sad, man. Because again, like he was that was my guy, man. I, I gotta tell you, gotta give me a minute here to tell my Andrew Jones story. Go ahead, go I ahead. I gotta tell my Andrew Jones story. So this is the summer ninety seven. Yeah, summer night. Yeah, summer ninety seven. Just graduated high school ninety seven, obviously. And um, you know, I've uh, this guy's like my brother. He's my best friend's older brother. My man Jose, Jose Rodriguez, and he, he takes me out for my, you know, for graduating. We go to this club. I am seventeen, mind you, but that's another that's another conversation. Um, yeah. So we're in there, and you know, I'm having a good time, and you know, he's taking care of me and stuff, man. And and so we're sitting at the bar, and I happen to look over, and there was this guy with like a purple silk shirt on. It just looked weird, and so I kept looking at him. I was like, holy shit, man. He was like, well, I was like dude, that's, that's freaking Andrew Jones over there. He was like, no, it's not. It's like, yeah, it is. Trust me. That's my guy. Like it's Andrew Jones. So he was like, all right, we'll go over there. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So then he went over long story short. Like, you know, we were, we had a, we talked for a while and, um, you know, he tells me to come to the Phillies game. Obviously they're there playing the Phillies, you know, in the series. And I go, we go to the Phillies games and he signs a, you know, bad couple of balls for me and stuff, man. Like, but he was like a super cool dude, man, real humble dude. Like on the field, he's really cocky guy. Like, which I even again, you've heard me mention this a lot on this show. Like I I I gravitate to those players because uh, that's just the kind of player I was too. And um, but yeah, he was super cool, man. Like I, I didn't even have to tell him my name the next day. He knew my name, remember my name, signed all my stuff, man. And it was just a, a great experience, man, as for a 17 year old to, to go through that. I was like in awe, and this dude was like 19. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even, to yeah. me, he felt like it just felt like totally different. And um, yeah, at that time, baseball was my life, man. I was playing still at that time, and I wore the same number. I played outfield. Like, it was just a super cool experience that I'm never going to forget. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I, sh- I share mm-hmm. this all the time because a lot of athletes get bad raps, man, for being jerks and stuff, man. And, and some of them, rightfully so, you know, but. My experience with Andrew Jones was was not like that. And, you know, I can remember trying to come up with a name for my son and I just couldn't come up with a name. And, you know, as always, I lean on sports, man. And I was just like thinking of guys in sports. And I was like, holy shit, like Andrew, like that's like that. I like that name. I was trying to spell it the way he spells it, but I, I got I didn't get the OK on that one. I was going to ask, did, did you spell, does it have the the. R.U. or said the R.U.? No, but... I couldn't do that. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to. Though. I was trying to, but no, nah, I couldn't. No, no, absolutely. No, that's, that's an awesome story. And that is cool. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. It's uh, Andrew Jones. If you look at it, still had a, he had a, a hell of a yeah. career, a very good career. You know, um, he, uh, he had 50 over 50 home runs in one season. You know, uh, he had, it just wasn't what was expected. And I think I wonder if I look back on the Braves if they thought, all right, he's going to be that guy. Like we talked about Chipper wasn't the guy, but if Andrew's the one in the Jones boys, yeah. Andrew's one, Chipper's two, if that's our one-two combo who will lead us with hitting. And he, he never really quite – he had all-star years, but never really quite put it together to be that for them. And and you brought up, you know, Kevin Millwood was a guy, and, and he had his playoff woes and got pounded. Yep. And, and Maddox and Glavin continued to get – pounded um in the playoffs it's 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 something to me I, I, because a lot of times 
when people talk about the best pitchers of that generation of the 90s, they'll throw Greg Maddox at number one lots of times. And they'll throw him right up there. And I don't know about you. I'll say this for me. But I look at a Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez. I know Clemens has the, the PED stuff, but so he, I've still put Clemens in that mark. Um, I, I just don't – there's no way I can I can put Maddox on the level with those guys in my opinion. Not, not after four consecutive Cy Young Awards and he, – No. no. Not, not, I, I don't, I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer or a great player, but there's no way I'm calling him ahead of Randy Johnson in any capacity. If it's one game, he, he goes way lower if it's that whole, all right, you got one game to, you know, save the universe. What pitcher's going to man? Then he's like, I'm not even thinking of great Maddox, but like, I just can't put him over a Pedro or Randy Johnson or, you know, I, I just can't do that for me. Yeah, that's the Randy Johnson argument. It's a it's a good one. You know what I mean? Because that was and, and I love Pedro. Like and like he, we know when he was with Montreal and the Red Sox. Like I I thought he was he was a an amazing pitcher. Um, now I'll ask you this in in regards to that that argument. Um, is it because these guys were power pitchers and it's like you know they're you know they're getting strikeouts and you know they're dominating hitters that way as with Greg Maddox, it was more. We talked about it earlier. Pinpoint position, like position, like you know, like like he was just a totally different pitcher when it came to that. You know, you want to talk about all around pitches, all defensively, go glove winner for eight years, yeah, eight years, years in a row. Yeah. You know, like I don't know, like I, I for me, he's definitely on that. In this era, for me, he has to be one of the top pitchers. And again, the Randy Johnson Pedro argument, I, I get that argument. You know what I mean? Like I, I really do. But it, it'll be hard for me not to put him at number one, man. Like it'll be pretty hard. Really? You think he's the best pitcher of the air? Wow. I ooh, we disagree big time on that one. I I just I I think I look. I guess I don't not no. I like his I liked his style. I I, I liked watching. Greg Maddox pitch. He was the mad scientist, especially when he, you know, hate to do a stereotype, but he had the glasses on yeah. and everything. Like he kind of had that look to him. I liked it. It was the playoff performances. It was also the fact that I, I feel like he he kind of benefited from just a weak era of NL East baseball to a weak era a lot of times in the National League. Um because there's a combination to me of I like the, the stats. There is a place. I'm not saying there's not, but it is that. Hey, can this guy just get the job done? It's not pretty. It, it might be a little ugly, but he's he's going to get these guys out. And now, Kurt Schilling's not the pitcher that Greg Maddox, you know, was like. You know, I'm not comparing them. You know, Greg Maddox way better pitcher, but I'll give a guy like Kurt Schilling that. Like he just was a gamer. And when you need to get the job done, he got the job done. And too many times to me, Greg Maddox didn't have that. And I'm not saying he's not like one of the best pitchers of the generation. My like so when you see the name, I'm not saying Greg Maddox shouldn't be there. I think all three of the big three should be there. But when I see him as number one, is when I if you want to put him at number three, I think three could be the highest because I think I, I I have to put Clemens. I know the PED, but I I have to, I can't. 
Clemens is up there, and Greg Maddox is not a Roger Clemens, he's not a Randy Johnson. I mean, what Pedro did toward the end of the decade is historical Kovac stuff, and that's why, like, I haven't seen a pitcher do what Pedro did in 99 and had that kind of dominance, like, that, and like like you said, he did it in Montreal, did it in the NL, did it in the AL, that, and that means something to me, um, especially in that era with, you know, the, the DH was rising for the AL hitters, like, he's still dominant. Um, I, I, to me, the highest I would place Maddox is third, and I'm not. Um, for me, he's four, but I, for an argument, I would I would have to see him as third. I could kind of understand, but over Randy and Roger, I just don't see it. Yeah, I I couldn't, and for this era, I I couldn't put him over. I couldn't put Roger Clemens over him. I just I just couldn't because there was other years there where he. You know, until he got with those PEDs towards the late 80s. And we're talking about 90s. I get that. But, you know, because, well, then again. Roger killed it with yeah, the Blue Jays. I, yeah. mean, he, he, I, I look at the 2000s is where I really question Roger more because he carried it into the 2000s kind of deeper. I look that is where I kind of like black market, like especially when he once he got to like the Yankees. It was like 99 to that 2000, like which the end of the decade. But. I mean, Roger. Roger to me was I. I still would put him in that for the nineties. I I got to put him over Greg Maddox. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, the only one I I would I I would I, I love Pedro. So I I got to take my like that fandom off of that. You know. So I say the one that I probably would just be like, all right, you got that one. I, I would say it's Randy Johnson. I think Randy Johnson was great, you know, regular season. And, and I get the knock on Maddox with the postseason. I think his, he was like 11 and 14 career postseason. Like that, that just can't happen for a pitcher of his caliber. You know what I mean? Like, and those other three that you mentioned have had even Kurt Schilling, like, you know, and we talked about John Smoltz, like John Smoltz had a way better postseason career than any, than, than those other two. Than Glavin and Maddox, I'm trying to say, and um, so I can get how that can knock them down a little bit, but I don't know. You talk about '90s great pitchers, man. You got it. He's got to be up there. He's, he's he has to be up there. I'm not saying he's not up there. I, I mean, I just can't one, one 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 A. He's oh, got to be. He's got to be. Jose, no way, man. I that one is where I'm struggling. I ah oh, man. All right, well we you know we we have listeners. You know, you can always jump on Twitter on the page and and at in the zone two zero two zero one. Let us know what you you all think and let there be know how wrong he is. Again. I'm not, man. I mean, I got the guts to say it. I I I I I have the guts to say it. I I think you could put him at highest third. Third is where I'll 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 start, which is still great. I mean, some people want to put. I'll say this before I, I, you know, we we, we yeah. move on. Some people talk about what Smoltzy and what Smoltz could do as a starter and as a yeah. reliever. Some people say Smoltz is the best of those three. No, I can't. I can't. I can't I'm, say that I'm, too. I'm, I I hear that. I've heard that before. But I'm I'm looking yeah, at. I'm just saying. Like ninety four, ninety five, Maddox. 16 and 6, 94, 19 and 2 and 95, ERA 156 and 94, 163. Like, 
I don't know, man. <laughs> I get he's not that power pitcher, and I and I know that's what everybody wants in the starting pitcher. But again, I get the postseason; it's a big deal. Like I, I I'm not saying is that I, I'm not saying you can't discount that because that's a big part of it. But you got to get to the postseason too, you know, and. He was he was he was big with that. He he had he he put a lot of these he put these Braves teams there. He got those Braves teams there, and it's not even about the Braves team. That's ninety two season with the Cubs. He wins a Cy Young award. I think they won like sixty four games, sixty five games, and he won twenty of them. He did, you know. Did. So it, I don't know. Again, that's another argument we can have another day, I guess. I'm just saying that the postseason is big. I'll say like in '95, Randy Johnson carrying the Mariners to the to the postseason to, to rally to beat you know take out the Angels. Like wound up having a bad back in the uh, I uh, I like Maddox. Greg Greg's not doing that. He didn't have to do that though with Atlanta. You know you're up twenty games. You know <laughs> in first place. So you know he just was let me go beat the Mets and the Phillies again. That's all I'm saying. But that's not his. That's what that's he had. not his fault though. It's not his fault, but he didn't have that gamer. He didn't have that dog in him. Okay. I mean, we're going through every year. There's something where it's not like a uh, a uh, a uh, couple times. It, it's pretty routine. Of he's the guy who like they lose like when they, the Braves are getting eliminated. Who was the starting pitcher? It was Maddox. He got rocked. No, I agree. Like, Postseason, I get that. Like I, I totally, I I hear your argument and. Again, eleven and fourteen career postseason ERA over three. Like I, I can't argue that. Like you got me there. You know what I mean. But I, I just can't put Clemens over him. Pedro, I, again, I love Pedro, man. And you were right. Those seasons, that ninety nine season in Boston, like what? Yeah, yeah. So mm. that even those last couple seasons in Montreal were lights out. Um, but and then Randy Johnson is Randy Johnson. Like I. I I totally uh, – Randy Johnson was great too, you know, but uh, I don't know. It's tough. It's interesting. Let me let me, let me me ask you then about a guy who kind of gets overlooked, I felt, feel, but maybe not, is the skipper. It's Bobby Cox. You know what? I, I I will go one further than Bobby Cox, and I say the guy who for me gets looked overlooked the most is pitching coach Leo Mazzoni. I I, I feel like Bobby Cox was a great manager. It, yeah, he was a good manager. You know. I, oh, you went from great. Yeah, because that those teams were were pretty loaded. You know what I mean? Like I know we talked about offensively, they weren't as good as some of these other teams in the '90s, but they they still had a lot of talent. And again. With that pitching staff, I think I can go out there and coach him at least three games out of the week and not have to worry about too much. Um, but I think Leo Mazzoni, he was the one that didn't get any credit. And you always heard his name because when that pitching staff came up, they always panned to, you know, Leo Mazzoni. They, they said Leo a lot Rock, now. He was yeah. rocking on his chair, you know what I mean? Like, and, Yeah. But I, I just feel like he he deserves more of that credit, you know what I mean, like than, than – I can't say more than the man, than the manager. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't take that away from Bobby Cox. I think you you kind of are though a little bit. You're saying, which I'll say this, real quick. Not to cut no, you off. It's just out of the 
hockey, you don't really – there's sometimes, you know, assistant coaches. Or, so, I, I take hockey out. But of baseball, basketball, football, I feel like baseball's – the uh, quote-unquote assistant coaches, I feel like get talked about the least of the three. Yeah. And Leo Mazzoni got talked about a lot in that as a pitching coach – he was talked. Uh, he, you heard his name. I, I'm trying to think. Him and and, and, he, and uh, Zimmer was a skipper before, but Don Zimmer and those. Yeah, they loved years, him too. Heard, yeah, they love some Don Zimmer, and I'm talking before Pedro, yeah. rightfully so, threw him down. Um, you heard Don, Don Zimmer always next to Joe Torre, so it was like Zim and, and Leo Mazzoni. You always, you always heard Leo's name now. You, you, you did. He got talked about pretty. You heard good. his name, but I just feel like he he deserves more credit than than what he gets because now you don't hear about him now. Like it's all about like Bobby Cox and his pitching staff and you know Chipper Jones and a couple of those guys. But I don't know. I just felt like the job he did for the entire time he was there. You know, he has some good he has some good starters, but you know. I just think he did a great job. Wow, I'm looking I, at these Randy Johnson numbers. Holy shit! Well, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that's what I'm saying. There's no way Ray Max better than Randy Johnson. I'm sorry, no way. But um, let's see, Leo. I'm trying to think. You know, he definitely can look at it. He helped to develop Glavin and Smokes. Greg Maddox was yeah. already there, but Maddox did have his best years under Leo Mazzoni. Um, but he did help develop those two guys. Um, like you said, Steve Avery was—he was okay. He was solid. You know, he was solid there. He was—he was okay. I think he was a little better. I, than, I think Avery. he was a little better than. Okay. I never loved. I—I I, I don't know. I—I—I like Steve, Steve Avery had like you know he—he he had a—he had one great year, and other than that, he was kind of like ah he's hanging in there. He was okay to me, and I don't know that that's that that's that I guess. That Brady Anderson effect, where I'm like, yeah, you get that one year. I don't know if I love you because you do it that one yeah, time. He, that like, was also aided, aided <laughs> yeah, with a lot of PDs. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, that's that one year effect. You know, I, I even before we knew, I was like, Brady Anderson was the man with the chops for you know sideburns for a little bit, and then 50 homers, Brady, and then it's just pff, what happened to Brady Anderson? I don't know. Now we know, but uh, Leo Mazzoni definitely is a uh, he, he he's a he's an all time all time pitching coach, and you know, I think th- I think all sports should kind of have Hall of Fame inductees as for you know assistant coaches should get in, uh, and, and and he's at top of the list in any sport, you know who he he should be a Hall of Fame pitching coach. And Steve Avery won eighteen games in ninety one and ninety three. That's something, man. That's I, Steve Avery had the I think ninety three. I he had the ERA with it. And everything, yeah, two ninety four. But, but I, that, that was about yeah, it. After I, that, it was over. <laughs> yeah, Steve Avery. I, I, that's why I'm like, yeah, you, you know, he was solid. You can't. You candle in the wind. He was all right. Yeah, I, I solid. All right. You know, I, no, I, I mean, they're like in the all, same all right level. is a little notch under solid. All right, and the way you're saying it, all right, like you could be, you could, oh, you could be really? all right. No, he was all right. Or you can be all no, right. You said when we started the show, you were like, "I'm gonna end the big three. But you're like, "Yeah, Steve Avery." I'm like, "Ah, not, I'm, like, I'm not too hype on him like that now." Like, you know, eighteen like, games, man. That's a lot of games. They weren't, they weren't a big three to me, you know, until '93 when they got Greg. 
They were they were two and a half. Two and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But I'm also getting here that you you're you're knocking Bobby. You're not a Bobby Cox fan. <sighs> not knocking him because he had a lot of success. You know what I'm saying? And to, again, you talked about like the managers in baseball. Like a lot of people, you know, think that's not too tough of a job compared to the other coaching, like head coaches in the other leagues. And I mean, he had a lot of success. I, I can't knock him for that. And I'm going to keep saying that because that's probably all I got from him. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just felt like the team was loaded for a long time. You know what I mean? And we keep, we keep referencing how they couldn't get over the hump. Now, do we start looking at the manager a little bit when it comes to that? I don't know. Like, you know, you have the players. You definitely have the pitching, you know. And we I know we talked about some of the teams they went up against. Uh, but I don't know. I just think this team could have did a little more. And when I think of a team that underachieves, my first thought is always, you know, the coach, head coach, whatever, you, manager, however you want to put it. No, I mean, you got to look at it. Bobby Cox, what he, you know, did in, in Toronto. Leading True. the Blue Jays to to the playoffs, you know, under Pat Gillick. he then he does come back as a GM, and then winds up going down. Um, you know, he he's a reason why he, you know, as GM, he brings in those guys of Glavin, your boy Steve Avery, Smoltz, Justice, My boy, <laughs> <laughs> your boy Steve Avery. <laughs> and, and, and you know, and your boy Chipper Jones, he he drafted him. Then he comes in in ninety, you know, and he kind of leads that worst to first. Like, are you kind of also going maybe you know what we're talking about? People do to these Braves teams. Are you doing that with Bobby? I mean, he he literally built this team. You could kind of say no, and I I'll give him props for that. You know, if you to draft those guys like and to build this thing. And we talked about farm system at the beginning of the show. Like, again, that's, that was something with this Braves team that I, from afar, I admired, you know what I mean? Like they brought in a lot of guys and, you know, a lot of their, a lot of their, a lot of their main pieces were like developed, you know, through their farm system. And again, I can always appreciate that as a fan, but um, I'm talking about as a manager, you know what I mean? Like as a manager now, I don't know. Could this team have done a little more? We keep talking about they could have. And I always, again, I'm going to lean on that all the time. Like, I just feel like, you know, he could have maybe pulled a couple. I don't know. Like, I just think they could have done more. I'd look at the coach first. No, I I, I think he, he – I, I do say this. He's not at all, you know, look at that era of time and, and La Russa and, and wind up being, you know, Joe Torre gets, you know, all those rings he has. I think Cox, what he didn't have, he had to, he knew how to motivate or to, you know, be where he's a relaxed, calming presence in the, the dugout. But, you know, I'll be honest. And he, and he, 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 he wasn't, he would flip out on, on us yeah, yeah. Yeah. a lot of times, but in the dugout, they, they, you know, they were pretty comfortable we're going to talk about the, the, you know, 1980 Phillies in, in a couple weeks. Maybe they, that's not what they needed. Maybe they needed someone to kind of fire them up. Cause the Braves did always seem on, on like coast. Yep. I never saw them have like a fire 
You know what I mean? And when when that and that's I think the big knock to me when the chips kind of got a little like hard is something kind of went awry for the Braves lots of times, and they didn't have and you know to your point, I were, he he was he got a little frustrated with Andrew Jones. Yeah. Andrew Jones made it look so easy, and you know he he didn't like that on Andrew, but I felt like. Did you give that heat to to Greg and the Tom, you know, and they were kind of or to the bullpen? Like, part of me feels like he kind of let those guys stay in there and just get rocked. And those aren't the pitchers, Maddox and Glavin especially, who when when they're in trouble, they're in trouble. They're not they're, they're not get out of jail. Yeah, when they don't, when they don't have it, it's it's ugly. And and that I feel like he kind of kept them in too long in some of these playoff games. Yeah, I mean. And I can almost understand that too. Like as a manager, like you're going to ride your horses, right? Like you're going to go with the guys who got you there. Hopefully they can wiggle their way out of it. Um, but again, I agree with you hundred percent. Like those, those, like those pitchers, not those power pitchers. I'll just say it's like, if they don't have it, man, they're going to get rocked. And especially when you start getting into the playoffs, you, you, you're facing some pretty good lineups and I, I just, I, again, I just feel like those, that, those, that 91, team that 92 team I felt like had that that hunger like that and we talked about it earlier like they were they were playing hard it was they were less talented so I would say like those were probably his best coaching jobs like getting those teams to where they were at you know but once he got all that talent again we, we talked about it when we would talk about our you know in our episodes when with the last dance when we kind of focused on Phil Jackson and and you know people always think you know you have a lot of good talent at some points, this team had a lot of great talent that it, it shouldn't be hard hard to coach them, you know, and, and I disagree with that. I, I feel like when you have a lot of talent, it, it's hard to, like, to have a lot of success because now you got to push these buttons. Now you got to elevate these great players. Some coaches can't do that. It's like a coach like Phil Jackson did that. You know what I mean? He elevated his great players to become even better. I just feel like, you know, Joe Torrey did that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I don't know if Bobby Cox did that. No, I I can see that. I I I, I, I no, no disagreement here. Um, I think he had a lot of great pitching talent. I think he had a lot of really good, you know, everyday players, in my opinion. Um, but he did not. When it came down to it, it seemed like he didn't know how to push those right buttons. You know, you know, and you make um, a good point there because he, because the Braves, other than Chipper Jones, I would say for a couple seasons, maybe a Gary Sheffield for a year or two. You know, um, a Fred McGriff, you know, Galarraga had 44 home runs that one year. He played with the Braves. Like, he never had, like, that that five-tool, like, perennial, well, like, MVP type of player. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I can imagine. Not consistently. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I can't imagine if they had, like, say they pulled the trigger in 92 on that Bonds trade and, now you got Bonds. See, if they pull the trigger on Bonds, I don't know if they get Maddox. But um, now you got Bonds, and now you have a Chipper Jones and all these other guys. Now, I would have liked to have seen that. You know what I mean? Or, or Well, let me ask you. Do you think – I think you're right. If they get Bonds and don't get Maddox, do you think they win more if there's a big two, but they have Barry Bonds there, but Greg Maddox isn't there? They have Steve Avery, too, so – um, <laughs> oh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking, but <laughs> I know I don't I know. know if they win as consistent. I mean, I think they're up there still. 
You know what I mean? I, I don't know if they win 14 pennants in a row. I mean, 14 division titles in a row. I, I don't know if they make it to five World Series, but now you're talking about if you have Bonds in that lineup, now you can drop Chipper down a little bit. You know, you hit Bonds third or fourth, you put Chipper in there, and now you got Javi Lopez. And, you know, later on in the decade, you got an outfield with Andrew Jones and Bonds. Like, you know, now we're talking. You know what I mean? Now we're talking offensively. Like, this lineup is – it's it went from, from – pretty good to to possibly being a great lineup at that point if you have if you throw bonds in there because again like now you take away a lot of now you can start hitting these guys now you're hitting javi lopez if he's not hitting six he's hitting seventh now if you have a catcher in three something at seventh hole that that's 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 a pretty solid lineup pretty good lineup no and I, i agree with that and um i think that and that's what we mean for our listeners Galarraga had a great, you know, year. He came back from cancer at 44 home runs. Andrew Jones had that great year in 05, I believe he hit 51. Chipper had an MVP caliber year, but it's a that, that those are all spread out, and, and B, it, they really had those caliber years that one time for those players. It wasn't they didn't have those guys who could really lead you like that consistently. They had good players. Javi Lopez, good offensive catcher. Um, but not nothing that you can really bank on, and it wasn't great. David Justice wasn't great. They they were they were good. I think that's why you see though. A lot of times those those tight games, they 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 weren't. It, it, there was no hitting. For yeah. Them. They they weren't hitting. You know, I feel like they they randomly could bounce, could like pounce on somebody in the playoffs and get like a big runs, but then like it was like a spurt. Like it, I don't know if like the pitcher had an off night. Because they never, they didn't have too many consistent series. Even when they advanced, it wasn't like they just killed it all five games or all seven, you know, whatever four mm-hmm. wins to get there. They they were they were off. Yeah, and and it's again, it's, they're probably most consistent hitter throughout this this run um, was probably McGriff. You know, like he was consistently twenty five, twenty seven, twenty eight home runs a year. 90 to 100 RBI a year. Like, you know, Chipper was pretty consistent as well, but I I, I don't know. It's like for what we're talking about, and, and again, I don't look at McGriff um, as a superstar player. I, I look at him as a like a pretty good first baseman and, you know, a good, you know, left-handed batter in the lineup. Yeah, and I, I think there's a reason why he's not in the Hall yep. of Fame. Um whether you like that or not, like I, and I, someone who met Fred McGriff and liked Fred McGriff, um, you know, the 96 all-star game in Philly, we, my brother and I were there, we caught, you know, we're you know, the day of the home run derby and all yeah. that stuff. Fred McGriff threw up a ball and we, we got it. And, you know, later on that year, we met up with Fred McGriff and he signed it for us. So always was a Fred, Fred McGriff fan, but I think really his name for hall of fame has bounced up because of PED talks that's yeah. why you started to hear a little bit more, but I don't think any, he's not a Hall of Fame player. Very good player. He's not a Hall of Famer, and I think that's just where it, it's a struggle of – I even look at those Yankees teams. Did they always – they didn't have a lot of guys always who had monster numbers, but, you know, one through eight, one through nine, they had just solid mm-hmm. – everyone was just getting on base, hitting. You know, they all were hovering around. Hey, we're going to get you know thirty home runs, you know hundred, you know knocking like hundred RBIs. We're on base percentage, and and they also 
were clutch hitters too. They they had that clutch gene that the Braves pitching didn't have, and the and the Braves hitters didn't have. And I think I look at that, and that's that's where I I I have to mark this team up. Um, but do you look at this squad? You know, we we kind of break down this 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 run here: one world title, five pennants, fourteen consecutive division titles. Four Hall of Fame players, a Hall of Fame manager, a Hall of Fame GM. When you say it all, are they overachievers, underachievers? Uh, I'm going to say this is, again, like I stated at the beginning of the show, this might be the example of the underachievers. Like as a team, definitely this is, and again, you mentioned the Bills. This is, the Bills are right up there. Um, with this team, I just feel like this team, they, they got one, right? Like they, they got one. So you can't talk about them like the Bills or like the Minnesota Vikings of, you know, like the seventies, like those teams that just could not get over the hump and win the one, at least one, you know, like they got their one. So, but to have these type of teams for 15, 16 years and to only get one. I mean, you got one. Like, I, I can't – I don't want to take that away from them. Like, cause that's 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 special, you know. But to have the talent they had and to only get one, yeah, they're, for me, underachievers big time. Let me let me ask you this. How many do you think they should have won? World titles, yeah. world championships. How many should they have won? I – with, with, with 95, I said they should have gotten at least two more. I say ninety one, and then that ninety six World Series. And okay. see, I I, I, I was just going to say now we're talking three. That's 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 special. Oh yeah, and and they're they're rightfully the team in the nineties at that point, um, because then then you, that's taking you know, the Yankees won four and five that that they win ninety six that takes yeah. away. One of those. So then it's three, three. Well, really, 98, 99, 2000. So you want to count, you know, yeah. 2000s, not in that era, you know, uh, that, that decade. So then it'd be two in the decade for the Yankees, paired, you know, two for the Blue Jays, and then three for the Braves. Um, so it, is this team I, a dynasty? No, not a dynasty. Definitely not a dynasty. Um, you have to. I, I now a lot of people say you have to win back to back to be a dynasty. I won't say that because I call the Spurs in basketball a dynasty, and they did not win back to back. I look at what the Celtics, you know, going back to basketball in the '80s with Bird and McHale and Parrish, they won three titles in the '80s, but they never won back to back. So I don't think you have to win back to back, you know, to to because if you win two out of three, yeah, you know. Um, I don't. I still say that's pretty impressive. And you get to you know do some other things with it. That that's impressive to me. So you have to win multiple though. Yeah, I agree. In that that time frame to be a dynasty. So that's why the Braves are a dynasty to me. I I really don't. I say this. I don't think they have one really bad one to me, and that's ninety six. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I think. That's not a team I'm looking at that I'm like, 
yeah, you should have a bunch of titles either, in my opinion. Like compared to what I looking at what else the decade had and the other teams of the decade who stood out, I don't see that like they should have had like four titles. Like some people think they should have had four or five. I don't think that. Uh, and I think this: the Bills got killed in the '90s, and there were a lot of jokes about them and all that stuff. But they've gotten the resurgence, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Of hey, they waited the four in a row because that is hard. That's really hard. And then, hey, you, you you lose and you keep coming back. I don't know why we don't give the Braves that job because I mean, fourteen straight the division we talked about it wasn't split to win it fourteen years in a row. That that's impressive. I mean, that's uh, almost a decade and a half, you know, of winning a a division. They they won five pennants. You know, that's 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 something that's something to, to say. And if you break it down, it's it's a great, probably the best pitching staff ever. But not it's not striped with Hall of Famers for the everyday players. It, you have one really, and you're probably going to stay at one. I don't see anyone yeah, else going to get either. in. So you have one with Chipper Jones, and that's it. Yeah, I mean they they went to what three out of four World Series at one point, right? Ninety one, ninety two, and ninety four. Four? Didn't he go 95? Oh, they went 95, 95 96. 96. Yeah, yeah. So they were, yeah, they so were. You take out 94. Yeah. So, yeah, they went to what? That's four in, in five years. Five years. Yeah. And that's hard to do, too. And we keep, you know, we, we talk about fatigue, you know, and you hear this a lot in hockey. Um, like when teams constantly make deep runs in the playoffs, how how phys- physically exhausting that is for teams and, and like some of the like all-time great teams like who constantly or consistently are making those deep runs. Like, you know, they always have that one year where it just kind of all falls out and, and it doesn't happen and you have tons of injuries. Like this team is also like super consistent, man. Like, you know what I mean? And and to make to constantly make these deep runs. And again, in baseball, where you have 162 games, it's 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 quite impressive, man. And and I agree. Like, I hope this Braves team gets a little more credit, like, because they they definitely deserve it. You know what I mean? Like, because again, you mentioned it, 15, 16 years. That's that's a run. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, that's an amazing I, run. I I think honestly, it's it's overachieved. I think it is. It, I say that because. What I will give credit for is the 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 three guys were the mainstay. They stayed, and I give props to them that they were they they had some ups and downs, but for a good while were pretty consistent, especially in the '90s of Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. But if I you know pull the tape from the '91 to '95 teams and look at that, you know the the batters, the everyday players. And then, like a '96 through 2000, it's two different teams. A lot of in a lot of ways, you yeah. know what I mean. Like, and but you still won. You know, you, you still won and still won those division titles and still, you know, made one pennants. You know, now the, the first half team I think is better than that last half, but the first half went to the. That's the one that you know we talked about four appearances in five years. But then the the second they they still got there deep and still put winning you know ninety nine got to the uh, the World Series, so I mean that that's it's two different teams, 
And and that's where it kind of reminds me of like a, a Spurs kind of dynasty where those first championships are very different than those last few championships and it's different squads and and people have different roles on the team and everything and and you're adjusting them but you're still winning. Um I think to me it's overachieving because I don't think anyone in any of these main sports we're we're gonna say, Yeah, this team will they're gonna win for the next fifteen years. You know what I mean? Like that's that's Patriot level. Now the Patriots have more championships over world championships, but that's that's the only other team I could think of who had a run like that is is the Patriots. Wow. So our first segment of underachiever, overachiever, shockingly we don't agree. You know, so that that's that's nice. <laughs> I, I, I think that's where it's fun. I I uh, I am serious where I think the Braves need to get more respect. And I think it's awesome that people gave the Bills because absolutely it would have been great for them to get one. Yeah. But to go back four times in a row, it's really going to be hard to see a team do that. And I think 14 straight division titles – you know, five, you know, four World Series appearances in five years. That's that's a heck of a run, man. That that that's a run that we have to give kudos to. I mean, they you knew every year, like we said, you penciled in the NL East, Atlanta Braves. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I again, I, I think they totally underachieved because you know you mentioned those early teams. Now those early teams, I think they like they overachieved. Like I, we mentioned earlier in the show, I, I think. They weren't as talented, but once you hit, you know, 95, you know, I just think they they should have won a couple even from there on. Like 95, 96 were probably their best teams. 99 was a really good team as well. Um, but, yeah, if your best teams are – if you don't win it with – well, you won one with 95 team. But I just, I just feel like they could have done more. They should have done more. So, yeah. No, I well, we I like it. Great team though. I great, like, great like team one. though. Great, great team. Great team. Great team. I like it. We have, you know, disagreements here on you know Steve Avery on best pitcher of the nineties. <laughs> Not saying that he yeah. won eighteen games, two out of three years. That's pretty. Yeah, I just it's that, good to know you're that's solid. Great, Greg Maddox and and uh, Steve Avery number two for best pitcher of the decade. That's that's you know what? Jose. Lock in, it up in ninety three and ninety. Five, I would have taken him as my number two. I'm good with that. 18 wins. That's hard, it's hard to get. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, even a little disagreement on uh, your boy Larry, Larry Jones, good old chipper. It's a great switch hitter, so, man. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I think he's a Hall of Famer, but I, uh, not not a guy. I, I think he gets it by accumulating. He's a, he played long enough to accumulate the stats, and I think Hall of Famers can get in that way. But he's not a he's not a, a I don't think greatness when I think of Chipper Jones. I just but he don't. was the best third baseman of the era. In a weak time for third baseman, but that's I'll give not you his that. fault. I'll that's not his that. fault. I'll give you that. Yeah, in a weak time, but he, he's the best of the weakness. But hey, this was fun, yep. man. And yes, please comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. You know, rate and review. You can also we're on Twitter at in the zone two zero two zero one. So if you want to say I'm crazy or you want to say Jose, which we all know is crazy with this stuff, Steve Avery love. <laughs> if you want to say he's crazy, that's fine too. But 
hey, man, this is a good way to bring it back to me and you doing the show. I, I enjoy it. We got a lot of great episodes coming yeah, up. Yeah, man, for sure, man. But this was a lot of fun. But for Jose, I'm Deremy. Thanks for listening. Peace.